Warning, this episode contains spoilers, coarse language, and... I'm back. to sleep i don't want to talk about this it doesn't care hey, you're the one who when i asked you're like yeah we're gonna do it in the morning i'm like what well, because dana has to go to a play in the afternoon so we can't be like hey let's do it at three in the afternoon because then dana will have to leave halfway through <laughs> yeah i was helping my friend costume a play that a local okay. high school is doing so yes but evie told me yesterday afternoon that we were doing it in the morning Evie, you knew like a week ago. I didn't know that we were doing it in the morning until yesterday when I asked you and you were just like, oh yeah, but I have a play at six. Well, I didn't think you were going to do it in the freaking afternoon because I figured, you know, Noel usually does his grocery shop and stuff. Well, when did you think we were going to do it? We always do it in the afternoon, even when Noel has his grocery shopping. Well, because I always do my shopping at night. Yeah. When it's less crowded. Oh. Well, now you can do it at early night. I actually went shopping yesterday. So are we ready to talk about inbred cannibals? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I watched these yesterday. It's just... Fuck. You should have seen the text message I sent Evie. Yeah. And then after she walked down to Abby, I was like, whatever. Yeah. I didn't care. I watched four of them yesterday. I'm sorry. <laughs> Watching one was enough for me. I was thinking of them like, oh, should I do like extra work and, you know, like watch the sequels? And I was just like, after watching both of them, like the original and the remake, I was like, fuck no. And uh, I didn't have time to write synopses, so I'll just edit those in later. Yeah, basically shit happened. Nothing really too important. <laughs> they got it. <laughs> Cannibalism and rape. The end. <laughs> Done. Yes, but you have to remember we're coming right on the heels of Last House on the Left that we recorded last month, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not as bad as Last House on the Left, though, so, you know. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen those movies, and I don't intend to. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we ready to start? Yeah. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I thought we had already started. No. No, no, this is all the unprofessional rabble that gets cut out. We were supposed to be professional? <laughs> We've been doing it for almost two and a half years now. We still haven't managed to be professional yeah. yet. <laughs> Actually, it was funny because, like, while I was watching The Hills Have Eyes last night, and Dustin came home, and he's just like, oh, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, The Hills Have Eyes. He's like, oh, the original? I'm like, yeah, I got to get my notes. And he's like, notes. And I'm like, yeah, we're recording the podcast. He's like, they're still doing that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah, our releases are still a little sporadic. I still haven't completely caught up on the backlog yet. Oh, bah. Whatever. Welcome, everybody, to part one of the latest episode of I Hate Love Remakes. I'm Noel. Joining me, as always, is Evie. Meow. That's all I got. <laughs> I can't imitate a dog. I would be the worst inbred cannibal ever. Can you imitate a heavy-breathing obscene phone call over a radio? No. Okay. Just trying to think of something thematically fitting. <laughs> Anyways, we have a special guest joining us once again. Everybody, please welcome Dana. I'm back. Yay. That's about it. So what have you been up to <laughs> since we last talked to you? I finished my degree. Hmm. So I now have my bachelor's degree. Nice. Actually, probably by the time this gets posted, I will actually have it in my hands. Yay. Yay. So school is somewhat done for about a year. And then I have to go back in about a year and do my teaching degree. Mm. So, yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Just pulling my hair out with the stress of school, but now it's done. So 
That's nice. <laughs> Maybe she can start illustrating again. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, actually, I probably could. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Oh, thank you. Evie, you want to tell us what movies we're talking about? No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've got The Hills Have Eyes from 1977, and then next episode it'll be the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, also called The Hills Have Eyes from 2006. Now, had either of you seen The Hills Have Eyes before? I'd seen the remake. Yes. This was my first time seeing the remake, but I'd seen the original probably about eight years ago or so, back when I was on a Big West Craven kick, so this is my first time going back to it. It was an interesting revisit. So, but anyways, the original was written and directed by Wes Craven. Evie and I kind of in the last episode shared our feelings for Wes Craven. So, Dana, why don't you tell us, have, have you ever really watched much Wes Craven? What do you think of him? I think last time I was on one of the Wes Craven episodes. I... That was the John Carpenters. Sure. Or was that John Carpenters? That yeah. Yeah. Oh. They're easy to mix up unless you know what you're talking about. I have no clue what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wes Craven. Um, Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street. I've been forced to... Music say- of the Heart watch those movies well some of them i had a terrible well she was my older sister and i love her dearly but she tormented me when i was a kid by making me sit down and watch these horrible horrible movies that i as i told you and eb earlier when i was young et and bambi used to scare the crap out of me so having to sit down and watch scream and nightmare on elm street and pretty much anything in that wide horror genre freaked the hell out of me and so i avoided them like the plague which is why the majority of episodes we have you on are horror-themed ones. Yes! <laughs> yes! Because, as Evie so kindly pointed out, I decided that watching Paranormal Activity, yeah, I can handle these horror movies. Yeah, of course, that's the horror movie that never shows anything. Yeah, and it's not really a horror movie. And now movie. we're making you watch the ones that do. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, Paranormal exactly Activity the was the funniest like. movie we'd ever watched. It was the funniest movie <laughs> I've ever seen. Anyway, in conclusion, I don't do horror movies, but actually I got partway through both versions and I'm like, I've seen parts of these before. My dad was probably flipping through channels and then decided to watch The Hills Have Eyes and I was kind of going in and out of the room because... And Danny was like, and I'm gone. Yeah. (laughs) I probably realized what I was watching and then was like, okay, bye. (laughs) Well, I know at least down here in the States, the remake and the remake sequel did get some heavy play on TV. Mm. I think they're gone now, but for a few years there, they were on like every other day. So let's move on to the Hills Have Eyes, and this is where I'll let it in the synopsis. The Carter family is crossing a patch of desert in a trailer home. They consist of the burly patron Bob, the doting grandmother Ethel, teenagers Brenda and Bobby, older daughter Lynn, Lynn's husband Doug, the young couple's baby daughter Katie, and their dogs Beauty and Beast. They stop by a mostly abandoned gas station run by an old coot named Fred, who hesitantly directs them down a winding road in the desert hills, where they quickly find themselves stuck and their truck broken down. Hiking back to the gas station, Bob saves Fred from a suicide attempt, only to learn the mountains are filled with the cannibalistic, inbred, scavenging brood of Jupiter, Fred's massive mutant son. Fred is killed and Bob is captured. That night at the trailer, everyone sees flames in the distance and race out to find Bob on fire and stake to a tree. While his family puts him out and mourns, Brenda, who stayed behind to watch Katie, is attacked by mutants Pluto and Mars, who rape the girl, bag up as much food and supplies as they can find in the trailer, and scoops up the baby. The Carters are racing back to the trailer as the mutants are leaving, and both Ethel and Lynn are gunned down in cold blood. Beauty is also killed, and Beast quickly finds one of the clan scouts and shoves him off a cliff. 
Doug and Beast set into the mountains to track the clan down. They recover the baby with the help of Ruby, the little sister of the clan who was looking for an opportunity to escape, and Doug kills Mars while Beast takes out Pluto. Papa Jupiter returns to the trailer only for Bobby and Brenda to snag him in a trap as the trailer explodes. So, Evie, do you recommend this movie? Do you want me to wait a second before asking you that again? <laughs> yes, please. I, I need a minute. Like something just struck me as really funny, and I'm like, I don't know why. <laughs> hey, so Evie is now playing the part of me. <laughs> so now we know what five minute excerpt we're going to release as a bonus special for this episode. Yeah, but I'm not. It's gonna not laugh. my laughing fit. <laughs> It's actually not going to be five minutes because I'm not Yeah, dating. well, you're already done now. Yeah, I'm good. So, Evie, do you recommend this movie? <laughs> okay, you know what? <laughs> Don't laugh over my speaking because he can't edit that out. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean I need to cut it out. Shut up. Cut you. <laughs> uh, Talk. Uh, uh, not really. I want to, but I really can't. I can recommend it to a very specific kind of person, and that's either A, people who really love Wes Craven and then go nuts because you're probably going to love this too, or people who are sort of movie geeks like me who can be like, wow, the cinematography is so interesting, and crap like that. So basically, dorks like me have at it. Everyone else, not so much. Okay. Dana, do you recommend this movie? No, I don't. I honestly, I didn't like it. At all. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't find it very enjoyable. I felt it lacked a strong purpose and just kind of became violence for violence sake. I didn't like any of the characters. I didn't feel that any of them were really realistic and I felt that the acting was kind of subpar. Yeah. Plot holes and brutality that I was kind of like, it's not my thing. It's really not my thing at all. Okay. I recommend the movie kinda. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it is one of Wes Craven's most consistent movies. There's a lot of it that I do like, and a lot of it that even though I don't kind of like it, I kind of like the intent behind it. And I think in terms of kind of a old-school grindhouse type thing, I think Last House on the Left is the stronger movie, but this is the movie I would more recommend because it's at least more entertaining, kind of. <laughs> I would rather watch this again than Last House on the Left, let me just say mm. that. Even though I think Last House on the Left, there's more to it. This one, it was just the guy needed to get back into filmmaking, so he decided to make a grindhouse movie where people eat each other. And not in a sexy way. And not in a sexy way. And I like both the tension and kind of the sense of humor. I think, you know, in Last House on Left, we mentioned how there were like the really tense sequences and then the really goofy sequences, and they never really fit well together. This one, I think they balance it a little better, mainly because the goofy sequences aren't as goofy and the tension sequences aren't as tense. And I like the slow build. I like the characters on paper, though some of the actors weren't that good. I don't know. I just think it's an odd little movie. If you're a horror fan, I think you'll enjoy it. If you're a Wes Craven fan, I do think it's not one of his strongest, but it is one of his most consistent. So I'll recommend it, kind of. So why don't we move into open discussion? It's definitely a film that's dated. Yep. Yep. It's very much of the late 70s and very low budget, which you can tell with like the one guy who has the really bad curly haired wig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even just some of like the really bad fake blood and stuff like that oh god <laughs> that is just red paint and not even the right color of it was red like paint. orange yeah, what's like weird though is some of the fake blood actually looks really good and some of the fake blood looks really bad it's like they had two different kinds of blood 
Yeah. Which, especially when Wes Craven did Last House and Left and the blood was so realistic, yeah. you'd think he would have known how to recreate that or he would have gotten the same person who did that for him and been like, can you do this again? Well, I mean, one thing that should be pointed out is that four years went by between this and Last House on the Left. That doesn't mean you forget how to make fake blood, Noel. No, but it means that the person who maybe did the one isn't available anymore. Okay, but you can maybe call him up and be like, hey, how'd you That's make true. that blood? That's true. And I know how they made the blood. They added some blue food coloring to the red food coloring that they had. That's what made it more realistic. And just a pinch of black. Bruce Campbell has a whole recipe for it in his biography. Because human blood isn't really as red as we think it is. It has just a slight purplishness to it. Yeah. And I think it was mainly just for, like, the bits where it's the blood flowing out of wounds. Mm-hmm. When it's the bit where, you know, they're covered in blood from already having fought, and it was like, then it looks fine. But it's like, as it's pouring out of wounds, it's like, I think they might have just used a different consistency there. I think it's literally paint. It looked yeah. like paint. Yeah. There was cases, too, of after, like, the mom and the sister and stuff like that got shot, there's those shots of being able to see the stain on, like, their nightgowns or whatever, and it was just orange paint. I'm like, you couldn't have done something there. I didn't see it as orange, but then again, maybe we're seeing like slightly different versions of it. Mine was like a very a recent digital remastered version, so they might mm. have color corrected some of it. Probably. They're like, it looks too fake. <laughs> Let's fix it. That was what blood looked like in the 70s movies. Yeah. So many 70s movies have that bad paint blood. It wasn't really until you got to the 80s that they started consistently having the good stuff. I like that there is some thought to the brutality of the first two victims are the two fathers, and then the next two victims are the two mothers. I like how it draws things out, and then suddenly within ten minutes, like, four people are dead. It's just like this sudden burst of violence. And then it all starts with the one guy being crucified and ignited, and then suddenly both moms are shot within ten seconds of each other. And the baby's stolen. And the baby's stolen. Which they're going to eat like a Thanksgiving turkey. I like that it's just such a slow build to the movie, and then just suddenly everything goes to shit. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of plays out from there. Dana, you mentioned that there were some plot holes. I, I didn't really... With the original, my main concern with that one was that it just... I didn't find that there was a lot of purpose behind the plot and the brutality and, like, why? Why was this movie even made? Like, why did this movie even need to be in existence? Well, you know, it was based on this article that Wes Craven had read about, I can't remember if it was Scotland or Ireland, but it was this family that lived in the mountains. They were literally inbred cannibals who would kill like dozens of travelers who wandered down their road. When the law finally caught wind of them, they went in, cleared them all out, and then just brutally tortured and executed this entire family. So it was kind of going on themes of Last House on the Left that civilized people become monsters when faced with monsters. Yeah, but... And it was, they have a deal set up with their grandpa, the guy who runs the gas station, to send stray people down their road for them to get supplies and food from. Yeah, but it's still made out to be that they're affected by this nuclear mutation. That's not in the original. Yeah, in the original, there is a mention of a nuclear test site. It's a mention of it. But it's more just a little background detail. It doesn't really play in. Well, because the old man, he does tell the story about what happened with his wife. They had, like, their daughter... And then his wife got pregnant again, and they had alluded to the fact that she was affected by the nuclear testing. Okay. And that's why the kid came out, and they said that he was 20 pounds, that he was covered in hair, and then just, like, grew so big by the time he was 10, like, he was bigger than his dad, and... Found a whore and fathered his own clan. Yeah, and it wasn't so much based off of, like, inbred, the whole, like, mental breakdown of that. It was was more... There wasn't really that inbreeding mutation type thing. 
No, See, but I didn't I, take I him at his word. I did, because everything did line up. Like he said that, you know, he slashed Jupiter across the face. And when we see mm-hmm. Jupiter, he's got that big slash across his face. Well, yeah, I figured that was the one true part. And when they when he gets killed, they say it's goodbye, Grandpa, or something like that. Yeah. Oh, no, I, t- I think that there was elements of truth in what he was saying, but... I didn't have any reason to doubt him. No, and I mean, too, because the fact that they did have a sign saying, like, nuclear testing site, and what was the purpose of yeah. focusing in on that sign if it didn't pertain to the plot? Yeah. They weren't playing it up, is all I'm saying. Like, it- Well, no, no, no. It was much more obvious than the other one, but, I mean, even in this one, it still was present. And I think that it would have been better to almost have that left out, because by having them affected essentially their DNA mutated by the nuclear testing, it puts the focus on that, that that's what makes them crazy. Okay, that's not your the point. fact that they're like removed from civilization and then that's why they did it. I think that it would have been more effective had they actually focused in on, hey, these people just are removed from civilization and so this is what their yeah. core being ends up being. And I think that would have been far more frightening and far more effective. I mean, yeah, they aren't really like inbred mutants. Like they are in the remake or they are in other types of stories that do something like this. There's a clear father and mother and then the group of siblings and they don't really have anything beyond that. And I think what has played that up a bit was the casting of Michael Berryman as Pluto, the bald guy with the big eyes. Mm -hmm. Michael Berryman, I don't know if you know much of his backstory, his parents back in the 60s both worked at a hospital and both stole as many drugs as they could and his mom kept doing drugs while she was pregnant with him. And he literally has 27 different birth defects. He has no fingernails. He has no hair on his body at all. They did actually kind of glue some fuzz to his face here, but he has no teeth. And one of the problems with shooting in the desert location is he has no sweat glands. That was actually why they set chunks of it during the night was because they couldn't film during the day with him very easily because he would keep overheating. But I mean, I think you see this guy and they they actually have lots of lingering shots on his hands that have no fingernails. So they play up this mutation aspect with him, but it doesn't quite tie into the others. Because I mean, Mars has weird teeth, but that's it. Yeah, same with Ruby. Ruby's just kind of like weird teeth. Well, Ruby from a drop line was actually someone that joined up. How do you mean by joined up? Like, she just kind of wandered in and joined up with the family. I never got that implication. They mentioned sister. Yeah. So Okay, well, Mama said that she was, like, a whore, that something to do with, like... No, 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 they called her a whore because she left. She tried to leave. Oh. Yeah. I stopped paying attention to the movie. (laughs) I was like, blah, blah, movie, blah, don't care, blah. And then there's Mercury, the one who Beast pushes off a cliff, who is obviously has, you know, mental disabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise, you don't really get the sense of, you know, that whole inbred mutation thing that a lot of people look back on this film as, I think, because of a lot of the things that came in the wake of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there was that famous X-Files episode with the inbred mountain men. Didn't watch X-Files, don't know. That was an episode that freaked people out so much that they didn't rerun it for years. <laughs> There's a few X-Files episodes that creeped the fuck out of me. <laughs> But yeah, I see what you mean, Dana, in that I think that was just one element too many, the nuclear testing. Mm-hmm. I think that they should have played it up more. Yeah. It was very topical of the period, but yeah, it either they needed to do more with it or just cut it. Yeah, because I don't think that they used it as much as they should have or could have. And I think that was probably one of the things that just for me, it didn't make sense. It mm-hmm. just felt like that one thing too many. And it's just like, OK, why? Yeah. And then I think if Ruby had been someone that had joined in later, 
you would think that they would have some discussion among the family as to do we adopt the baby or do we eat the baby? And the escalation of events. Mm, is yeah, no, they we, went yeah. right to eat. <laughs> but then again, they do say that they have been without fresh food for a while because Grandpa has been getting skittish about sending people down that road. Which, when Pluto went to rob them, he was only taking food. It was only when he was caught that they were like, well, guess we're going to have to eat people. I don't. Not going to lie, I kind of stopped paying attention to the movie. I was like, I don't care. Why? But that's also to starve them out so they'll be easier to kill. Mm. Yeah, but because they also, also taking all the weapons. indicated they wanted Brenda as well, right? Mm. Well, I think it was, well, I mean, obviously him and his brother wanted Brenda. I think it was, what they did was steal all their food and all the things they can use to fight us with. And then they'll be easy pickings. Yeah. And we can just pick them off as we needed. Mm. And then they have food while waiting for the main feast. And like, I even love how they use the dad as just a distraction by literally just bursting him into flames. And then they eat the cooked dad later on. They're uh, like, you know, he served yeah. his purpose, so then they drag him back to the cave and serve another purpose of food. Well, they also eat beauty. Yeah. They also eat beauty. And that was actually a nice scene where Ruby starts eating beauty, but then hears Beast howling and starts spitting the food out. Mm. Yeah, because she's like, the dog's ghost. Yeah. I actually really like Beast. How they actually made Beast a character. Beast was awesome. Yeah. I love Beast. Beast kills more people than anyone else. I love the fact, though, that they named their dogs Beauty and Beast. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Just the fact, too. I mean, like, you got to remember, this is before the Disney movie. Mm. Oh, Beauty and the Beast is one of those ones, like, every 10 years, there's a Beauty and the Beast of some form. I mean, even the 80s had the huge TV series Beauty and the Beast, which was hugely popular. I just didn't think that Beauty and the Beast, as far as, like, popularity, really exploded up until the early 90s. Like, it was one of those stories that's always well-known. But it's as far as like to actually go and name your pets that. I think naming your pets that was maybe a little less obvious of a thing to do then than it is now. But it was still yeah. something that was part of the pop culture. It was cool. I liked it. But I like how it's literally they kill Beauty and then Beast gets revenge for the death of his mate. Yeah. And just the way he takes out Pluto by like eating out his Achilles tendon. Oh, yeah. Well. And then just <laughs> fucking with them until he goes for the jugular. And I love how he just shoves Mercury off a cliff. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. was like, push, and we're done here. <laughs> and we're good. Keep going. As for the family, I like how normal of a family they are. I like how the dad is basically a racist asshole. Mm-hmm. The mom is overly religious, just as almost like a security blanket. She kind of seems, as a character, I just felt that she wasn't all there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Originally. And she's overly sensitive and overly tender. It's kind of escapism. Yeah, exactly. It's an emotional escapism. She doesn't confront things, as opposed to her husband, who just kind of lunkheadedly confronts everything. But again, that feels like a real couple in their 50s who are driving across the desert and taking off shortcuts that they shouldn't be taking. And that was a weird thing of they're looking for a silver mine. Yeah, who goes there on vacation? I don't really know that that needed to play. In. I mean, just they're driving to California and they took the wrong road. That's all mm-hmm. you really need. Yeah, I think they were just trying to input too much. Yeah. And then you have the kids, Lynn, who's Dee Wallace, probably the biggest name actor in the movie. Hells yeah. She was good. She was really nice. And I actually really like Martin Spear as Doug, her husband, because mm-hmm. I love how he's such a son-in-law, mm-hmm. but in a good way, as opposed to what they do in the remake, which we'll get to. But he's like, <laughs> he's just kind of settled into this family and is just kind of a really nice guy, but in a kind of dorky square way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the big climax of the film is him turning into the brute who's now like just stabbing and stabbing and stabbing and stabbing the guy who killed his wife. And stole his baby. Which was an interesting shot to end on. Yeah. Of him still doing that. 
I actually forgot that that's right abruptly where the film cuts off. Yeah, I didn't really. I was it kind was of like, weird. really, that's it? Yeah, yeah. Like, it just cut to red and it ended. I'm like, well, that wasn't really an ending. It, it just kind of was like, hey, I don't know yeah. where the hell to end this, so we're just going to end it here. Cool. Even Last House on the Left had just one little extra moment just to kind of soak it in. But it was it was interesting. I mean, I don't think it quite works as a theme of, you know, civilized people have to become monsters in order to fight monsters quite as much as it was in Last House on the Left, because here it was just, no, they're fighting to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Last House on the Left, it was, no, they're literally taking revenge. In this one, there's a bit of vengeance to it, but it's, no, we also got to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the big part of it was the survival, like the family trying to get out of there, and they really have no way out. And I like that they go about it intentionally. Like, I like how Bobby and Brenda set up, they booby trap the area around the rig and even use their own mother as bait. Yeah. And how Doug actually figures out how to work the radio on a separate channel so that he can communicate with the others while also listening in on the cannibals channel. I like that there's some thought there and a little bit of strategy and how he's waiting for them to leave the headquarters before he goes in to get his baby and Beast goes off and takes care of them. Yeah. Beast is like the most competent one of the group. <laughs> I love Beast! I want his own yeah. movie! Beast is just great. My only problem is, I liked Bobby, but Brenda was just a horrible actress. Was, oh my god, it was... For screaming, I'm oh, like... I get the character is traumatized, but... I get it, but she was just way too overtly hysterical. Especially with the whole, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. He's standing five feet away. Yeah. She was just so shrill. I was just like, shut up. And I know that when you're traumatized, you probably act like that. But there's a difference between like real trauma and movie trauma. But and then also in the climax, she becomes somewhat competent as she's helping. She's actually the one who sets up the initial trap with the wire, Mm -hmm. the wire lasso. She's actually the one who has the idea for that. So, I mean, she's actually thinking and is actually working her mind. But then she keeps flipping between that and the traumatic, like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, you just can't do that. Yeah. It's like, I get that you're traumatic, but, you know, it's like, oh, my God, we just won. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. I like the little moment where she picks up the hatchet and runs up and plugs him in the back with it. But (laughs) she's still screaming in hysterics while doing so. And it did not help that she literally had a scream that makes you want to just tear your ears off. Yeah. I sympathize with the character because of what she went through, but it's so hard to sympathize with her because of the way the actress is playing her. Mm-hmm. Even in the early half of the movie, she's really hamming it up. Mm-hmm. And I like Bobby, though, because he feels normal. Yeah. It's odd the little bits where, I mean, the actor is obviously a gymnast because they give him a few little springs and tumbles to do. Mm-hmm. And you can just even just see the way he's like quickly ascending a rockscape. It's like most people can't just spring up rocks that way. But I like him as a character, even the bit where he just can't tell everyone that Beauty's dead yet yeah. until it yeah. just kind of finally pours out. And I like how he goes from playing with a gun to actually growing up and having to treat it as a real weapon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was interesting how he gets left with the gun while his father takes the other one and goes off. I like it because they feel like a real family. Even if they're not always the most sympathetic of people, they feel real. Ish. Ish. Yeah. They feel real-ish to me. There's moments where I'm like, this is actors playing a part badly. Only time I really get that is Brenda. No, even the mom. Yeah. And the dad. The mom is exactly what my grandma is. The dad, yeah. Well, dad is just the least likable of the bunch. I felt like the two that seemed to do their part well were Doug and Bobby. Yeah. Lynn, at points, she was believable. Lynn just didn't get to stick around for very long. Yeah. yeah. 
She didn't get a lot of playtime, I guess. I like how she goes out, though. I mean, she gets shot, but then she still continues to attack him and stabs him in the leg before she gets shot again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That baby was an awesome actor. Just some good acting, baby. <laughs> so method. Well, no, just like, it's funny because, like, there's this one point where it closes up on the baby's face and she just looks creeped the fuck out. <laughs> I'm like, uh, bitch, uh, get me out of here now. <laughs> what I like about the Mountain family is... Not that they're realistic, but they just kind of went all out with the kind of garishness. They're kind of creepy, but they're also kind of silly and ridiculous, but in a way that kind of makes them human, but that makes it even more awful that they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I even just love the bits where you just hear them, where you just hear their voice on the wind as they're like laughing and taunting. Mm-hmm. I like moments like that of how they're very juvenile bumpkins, for lack of a better word. Yeah. When one of them's on the radio with Bobby pretending oh, yeah. to be one of the guys that could rescue them. And you imagine that they have heard military transmissions before, so that's how he knows how to imitate it so well. Mm-hmm. He doesn't reveal that he's fucking with them until they reveal that, oh yeah, we've only got two bullets left. We're sitting mm-hmm. ducks. <laughs> it's like, oh, Bobby. <laughs> I was just like face palming at that part. I was like, oh God. I, but I mean, who really was just like, oh, they're saved? I knew that it was one of the guys yeah. fucking with him. But you can almost understand the desperation in the moment that led them to believe it was real. Well, because they want to believe it's real too. Yeah. So I do like that theoretically because they eat people, he's basically playing with his food. <laughs> they are. <laughs> like, they really are. Play with your food. Well, I mean, that's what they did with the dad before eating him. Yeah. Let's have some fun with him first. Yeah. Oh, and I love how they get their radio because Beast thinks, I'm going to grab the radio and bring it back to him. That was awesome. Beast (laughs) was like, I take this. Beast is just so cool. Like, I love the bit how he just kind of walks behind some shrubbery and is just sitting there waiting for Pluto to run by. Mm -hmm. And then he goes and gets him. He's like, and I will wait here. And there we go. I even love the bit where Pluto's playing with his severed tendon. He's like, it don't work no more. Aww. It was an unconvincing effect, but I just like that little moment of character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's playing with his food, but I love how Beast is the most civilized because he doesn't play with his food. No, he just goes in for the kill. Yeah. I even love how they foreshadow it as Beast never barks until the moment he's about to kill. And then they just joke around about that poodle that he ate. And it's like, someone lost their poodle because of you. Yeah, I'm like, your horrible, vicious dog should have probably been put down, but... Yeah, we had to pay vet bills for a dead dog. Yeah, you're horrible people. Uh, <laughs> the old, uh, nowadays, if that happened, I'm like, I'm guessing in the 70s, your dog did not get put down if it murdered another dog. Now, if that happened, your dog... In the getting- 70s, you were allowed to kill your own dog. Yeah. In the 70s, you were still allowed to shoot your dog if you wanted to. Ah. You were still allowed to, like, kill puppies if you didn't want them. Yeah, no, you do that now, and someone shows up and is like, that's not good, and you end up on the news. Yep. I love how Mama is just walking around with this big bottle of wine the entire time. Mm -hmm. That's the ugliest hooker I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, you have to wonder what she looked like back in the day. But then again, you even have to think, well, that's probably the best Jupiter could get, given the surroundings. (laughs) But I mean, like, you gotta think about it. starving for how long? Uh, They're supposed to be starving? Yeah. I think someone's been sneaking snacks. Well, I think the starving (laughs) is something that's just been a recent issue. Mm. Because Grandpa's been skimping on sending people down lately because he's having his crisis of conscience. 
Mm. Yeah, but I mean, even with the amount of people that would miraculously come over there and the amount that they would have to walk plus the desert heat, sweating it out, it just... She's been eating a lot of people is what we're saying, No, Like, how many people has this woman yeah. been eating? That's true. Why would she be that big? Yeah. And plus, because there's how many kids that they're feeding as well, plus the dad. Well, I'm figuring the parents are probably hoarding the most food because the kids are all kind of scrappy and spindly. Not all of them. The kids are kind of like you look at Ruby as opposed to Mama. Mars is the biggest one, but that's just because he's the tallest one. Yeah. And I mean, Pluto, again, tall, but kind of thin. So I mean, Pluto, you see him without a shirt on. He's just skin and bones. Yeah. But one of the other things I like is when their car goes out of control, and, you know, it's like rocks. The map is on his face and all this stuff. And then what causes him to swerve off the road? There's a rabbit in the road. <laughs> it's always the bunnies. Yeah, I love how it's like all this stuff is going on, but he, he finally loses control because it's a rabbit. <laughs> that was funny and felt intentional. <laughs> but it was sweet, too, because it didn't want to run over the bunny. And it also kind of took away the intention of them breaking down in that area. Yeah. Like it, the yeah. bunny. No, Dana, maybe the bunny was the in on it. Had, well, who knows, right? It was, <laughs> it's always the bunnies that are evil, right? But no, because even like the old man, when they were driving away, he was yelling, don't go down that road. Don't go down yeah. that road. And then they break down. So it was just kind of like a random happenstance that they mm -hmm. ended up there. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't planned. But what I like is that the guys in the desert, they actually do survey. They've been watching this family since they were at the gas station. Yeah. So they've been kind of keeping an eye to see if they would go off. So once things happen, they move so in. So they threw a bunny in the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what it was is they were going to attack at some point anyways. It was just a question of when. And then the opportunity presented itself. And I like the grandpa, how when they go back to find him, he's trying to hang himself. Mm -hmm. And the dad is just like, get your damn neck out of that belt. It's a good reaction. I just overall, it's a harsh movie, but there's a goofiness to it that keeps it from being like overly brutal to me, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one, I think they left a lot of the major brutality scenes kind of out. Like it showed the person doing the action or it showed the reaction. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't so much the combination of the two, which I think helps it in the way of not being too overly brutal, if you know what I mean. Like it doesn't show the contact. Yeah. What I like about Wes Craven is that he takes death seriously and he likes to also focus on the impact that death has on the people around it. Like, I mean, just when Doug and Bobby have to walk into that trailer and see what happened. Yeah. You know, and then mm -hmm. the mom just slowly bleeding to death. Yeah. He doesn't pull any punches in terms of the human side of death and brutality. But he also has this kind of goofiness to the people who cause the death and brutality. I think even the character of Doug himself, like just the interaction as the mom is dying. Mm -hmm. how she's like is the dad back yet and he's like no he's not back yet oh okay did everyone go to bed and mm -hmm. he's like yeah like where are the kids and you know he's like he's like oh wow uh, like brenda and, and bobby are here oh is lynn sleeping yes lynn's sleeping and like yeah. just kind of has this thing of you know what she's dying she doesn't need to know she's not going to want to know so just let her go peacefully type thing yeah. and, and the fact that he was able to hold it together i mean his baby's kidnapped his wife just died was brutally murdered he's now the dad of the clan yeah, yeah like he kind of takes on that role and, and is looking out for everyone and it's a cool character to kind of have in a film mm -hmm. yeah i love how he's kind of the dorky unassuming guy and he ends up kind of really stepping up yeah i, I think that was the point of having that person in that role is to kind of have that unsuspecting hero it was a great performance from sonny bono <laughs> Yeah. That was a great haircut. <laughs> wow. I love that they gave him the Bono bowl cut and stash. Yeah. 
That was such a fashion statement at the time. How about those shorts? Oh, I want those shorts. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> or if you do, take a picture and send it to Evie. So can haunt How her about dreams. no? <laughs> How about he sends it to you, bitch? Mm. I love you, but no. The internet has seen me in less. He's not joking. The internet has seen him in less. Yes. <sighs> so, anyways, another interesting character is Ruby. Where it's a little on the nose and cliched that, oh, the girl of the group is the one who's the most compassionate. Exactly. But I still think the actress is good, Mm -hmm. and I think the character still works. And I I like that she ends up having to kill her own brother with the whole rattlesnake thing. Mm -hmm. But even then, when she takes that step, she's still kind of traumatized by, she then has to watch her brother get stabbed to death in front of her. Yeah. It makes sense, though, with her. Because at the beginning, she's the one that wants to run away. I like that she recognizes that they're horrible people. But they're still her family. These are still the only people she's ever grown up with. Mm -hmm. So it still affects her that they're getting killed, even though she's like, they deserve it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. I like the whole climax with, you know, you would think Jupiter would have the big climax. But with him getting blown up with the kids, that's almost secondary to Mars, Mm -hmm. who he is the one who killed half the family. And so he's the one who ultimately has to have the final showdown with Doug, who's now the new head of the family. Yeah. Well, plus it kind of almost it has a like sense of revenge in there, too, because he was the one that killed his wife, took his baby, raped his sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. It made sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I like about Wes Craven is that he always thinks about those themes. There's meaning behind why we focus on certain characters, and there's meaning behind why certain characters clash and stuff like that. And I like that, you know, more than most other slasher films... He always thinks about stuff like that. He doesn't always do a good job of it. Sometimes he's very heavy-handed and clumsy about it. But I still think this is one of his most consistent movies. It stays at the same level of quality from beginning to end. Whether you like it or not, it's consistent. I like that it didn't end up becoming a joke in itself. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you look at some of the other films that he's done, I mean, like, I haven't seen, I'm not that familiar, but the few that I've seen, there's this comedy kind of hidden behind it there is this kind of garishness yeah yeah well it ends up becoming a joke i mean the scream films it worked because he had someone else there because kevin williamson is a sharper writer than he is so kevin williamson kind of steered it better yeah but even scream scream became a joke in itself yeah but it was intended to in the later movies i know scream 3 the one where he didn't have williamson that's the one where it really became bad Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that was essentially where it was like, okay, this whole thing's been a joke yeah. all along. And it's like, we're now going to play it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, you should see Shocker. No, you shouldn't. Shocker just is a mess. It like literally goes into the realm of screwball comedy and never comes back to being horror. But I mean, yeah, I, I see what you mean. And Wes Craven does have this over the top shtick to some of his like People Under the Stairs is one of his other films that I think works because it's consistent throughout. But it's still a really goofy movie. This movie, it's a goofy movie. But I think there's also some depth to it and some thought to it. That kind of makes up for the fact that it's still a really rough, low-budget 70s grindhouse movie. Yeah. I mean, it could have been far more violent than what it was. And I don't know, I kind of like, if there's going to be violence, there's going to be like a purpose and a greater meaning for it in the movies that I generally like. But at the same point, I can kind of understand where he was going with it and the intent Mm -hmm. that he had. But I just... Well, what I would say is it's not a film I'd recommend to everyone, but it's one of those films that it is exactly what you think it's going to be going into it. Mm. And if it's what you want to see, if this is the type of film you want to see, you're pretty much going to get what you want. I mean, if it's someone who, like for you guys for this show, 
it's not a film you want to see. It's not a film you really want to go out of your way to see to track down. No. But if it was, you're going to get what you paid for. That's almost the recommendation is it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And if that's what you want, then yeah, go for it. I just, I think that there's better films out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of Which course. I think that's actually the tagline for the movie Pieces. It's exactly what, what there's better films out there. Yeah. No, the, <laughs> it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah. Oh. And it is. It's exactly what the poster promises. It's exactly what word of mouth promises. It's a family drives into the desert and encounters a cannibalistic clan of killers. It's exactly that. And it's exactly what you think it will be. And I think on top of that, though, it does still have some extra innovations that kind of lift it a little bit in terms of just some of the character themes and and interactions. And in terms of like the climax where like Bobby and Brenda come up with this great booby trap or how Doug kind of rises up and becomes this interesting character that elevated beyond what you would just expect it to be of just everyone chasing and stabbing each other. Mm -hmm. It's a little more clever than what you're expecting, but it's still largely what you're expecting. And also, if you're a fan of Wes Craven, it is one of his most consistent movies. So, I mean, it's a film that I it's not a bad movie. It's just not a film that everyone's going to want to watch. Yeah, and but I think consistent. Part of my re- yeah, it it's is. consistent. <laughs> I think part of my reason why I didn't really enjoy it so much was because I'm not a huge fan of Wes Craven, and I'm not a huge fan of the genre. I watched it because I had to, and then I was just like, okay, I'm done. Downton Abbey time. <laughs> and it's not so good that it can win over the people who don't want to watch it. Yeah. There's some films out there that you go in and you're like, I don't want to see this, and then you end up watching it and you get won over by it. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those. No. But if you go in wanting to see your movie, you're going to get what you pay for. So, and that's why my recommendation was I recommend Kinda. Mm. For what it is, it's a good movie, but it's not so good that it's going to elevate above anyone who's going in knowing what they're expecting. Pretty much, yeah. I concur. Anything else we want to mention on the film? Giant spider. Oh, yeah, tarantula scene. Well, I'm sorry. If you're absolutely terrified of spiders... How'd it get in there so fast? (laughs) Well, it's been stalking them. Yeah. Who knows? But I mean, like, honestly, if, if you're that afraid of spiders, like, I'm absolutely cripplingly afraid of spiders. I would have, like, thrown a shoe and then gone out of the camper and been like, someone else deal with it, I'm done. <laughs> hey, Evie, remind me to have Dana on when we do Earth versus the Spider. Yeah, nope. good luck with that. I'm not going to be on for it. <laughs> I don't watch movies about spiders, no. I did watch Eight-Legged Freaks. That movie's not about spiders. That movie's about David Arquette annoying the shit out of me. It's a fun movie. It's not a great movie, but it's fun. It's charming. No, it's fun. It, it's pointless. Yeah. I hate you guys. I hate both of you so much. <laughs> Back to the movie. Um, Back to stuff. If we're done talking about the first one, I think I'll just take a few minutes here to talk about the sequels. Have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone needs me, I'm going to go nap. Oh, shush. Hills Have Eyes 2 came out in 1984. In the same year, he did Nightmare on Elm Street. He did this right before, and it was Wes Craven again, wrote and directed this one. Basically, what it is is Ruby and Bobby have started their own dirt bike racing company. What? (laughs) Literally, they have a team of dirt bike racers. Is it the same actors? I need to ask. It is. It's the same actress playing Ruby. Okay. Is it the same actor playing Bobby? It's the same actor playing Bobby, but he's only in the beginning of the movie, and I'll tell you why. But they also have Beast. Beast is still there. Oh, thank God. Yay! They have to take their team to a dirt bike race. It's going to be one of those races that goes through a desert. Mm Mm-hmm. Surprise. And they have to get to the starting point, but their bus ends up breaking down. Bobby dies. And no, Bobby actually refused to go on the trip because he just can't go and face the desert again. 
Oh, okay. Whereas Smart. Ruby has that ambivalence to it, but it's still where she's from, so it's kind of that hang on, hang on, hang on. Sense. Are Ruby and Bobby together? In this? No, they're not a couple. They just run the company together. Sure, they do. She's actually kind of in a relationship with the mechanic on the team. Ah, did she get her teeth fixed? Well, her teeth weren't really bad. They just hadn't been brushed. So now they have been cleaned and she has a nice permed hairdo. But can you imagine how many cavities she would have, though? But I mean, I'm That's like, true. if her teeth hadn't been brushed, I'm pretty sure they would have been rotted out. Her teeth look fine. Okay. Oh, so but it's been seven have. years, so she's had enough time to get work done. Or she has dentures or whatever. But anyways, they head out to the desert and sure enough, the family has survived in the form of Pluto is still ridiculously alive. Which they actually work up if he still has a rivalry with Beast. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. I'm sorry. Love it. And now we have Reaper, who was the brother of Jupiter, who is even bigger and meaner and nastier than Jupiter was. And they literally get this. When the hell did they have time to have three kids? They only had two kids. And one of them was killed. Sorry. I know. They never explain how this ties into the backstory. And then they have like one other guy who we never really get to know. And it's literally just three mountain guys attack this bus full of kids again. It's kids on dirt bikes versus cannibals. That should have been the title of the movie. It's one of those films where it has a horrible setup of it's just this really stupid, random, convoluted setup just to get everyone there. But once it really gets going, it's actually a really good film. I think it's even better than the first one in terms of how it's made. The characters are much more interesting. The group of kids are actually not your stereotypical slasher film kids. They're actually really capable, dependable, smart kids that you care about. They have some good relationships. And one of the interesting twists is that in the first 80% of the movie, only the guys are killed. So you end up with all four women. Sweet. Just versus the cannibal men. Aw, yeah. It's just an interesting play on dynamics and stuff. This one, it's not a film that Wes is really all that proud of. It's just kind of something he did for the money, but I think he still actually did some really good work in it, and it's a fun movie. If you like part one, part two is worth watching as well. It's not a very intelligent continuation, but it's a lot of the same stuff. Some of it's it's at least better film. It's not quite as handheld. I actually didn't mind the handheld. Yeah. I didn't mind it either, but I, or I want to see at least the makeup effects are better, and it's better lit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what and the blood it, looks better. Which one's the father in the original? Is it Jupiter? Or? Jupiter. Jupiter. Yeah, wow, that was a really fake cut on his nose. I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ, that looks bad. And there's times where he's like, you know, running through the desert. I'm like, wow, they'd really dolled up Richard Gere. <laughs> <laughs> he just, what I mean is, he he looked almost a little too pretty to be a camel mountain man. <laughs> he looked like a nice, handsome guy underneath the makeup. <laughs> And the hair. Whereas the guy they get playing, the Reaper, is like this seven foot tall, beefed out biker dude. He's literally like wearing half a bear as a jacket. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to see. As you do. You what? You want to see this? I want to see pictures of the guy dressed (laughs) up as the Reaper. Oh, sure. So, you know, I'm going to hit the Googles. It's a good continue. If you want to see more Ruby and Beast killing cannibals, it's a good continuation. (laughs) That one sounds like like, the best TV show. Ruby and Beast. Killing cannibals. It is. It was a nice idea to pick up the threads with Ruby, who's now become civilized. She's now a civilized person having to go and confront the demons of her past. And Beast gets to eat more cannibals. Yeah, which I Does she ever have to get in a really awkward conversation with people of like, yeah, so that's my uncle, my brother. Her story has kind of become this urban myth. She now goes by the name of Rachel. 
And there's literally a point on the bus where people are telling the story of the first film, but as kind of an exaggerated urban myth. And they were like, yeah, and then there was this crazy lady named Ruby who came back, but she was still feral and they didn't know what to do with her. And she's just sitting there kind of rolling her eyes. And she's like, I am not feral. I ate people, but I'm better now. And then there's this bit at the later on where it's like she has to reveal that she's Ruby. And so they go, so you're a killer? She says, I never killed anyone. Yeah, you just ate. Yeah. And they literally go, but did you eat any? And she says, yeah, but I didn't know what they were at the time. Bullshit. <laughs> and that's exactly what someone says. And she says, yeah, but okay, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. Let's stick with this where you ate people. Yeah. So anyways, that's Hills Have Eyes Part 2. It's been an obscure film for a long time, and it's only just now come out on a nice, fully remastered DVD and Blu-ray. Use the word nice in air quotes, sweetie. Everyone, just imagine there's air quotes around the word nice. nice. No, I mean nice, and it's a beautifully remastered, and it's actually a really nice package set. Mm-hmm. Nice in terms of the film, yeah, sure, but in terms of the way that the- The new- production quality is very lovely in what they have done to fix it up. Oh, yes, it's a very nice release. But as a film, if you like Hills Have Eyes 1, it's more of the same. So if you like Hills Have Eyes 1, absolutely go check out Hills Have Eyes 2. And then there's part three, kinda, which was, do you remember in the 90s, there was this series of movies called Wes Craven Presents? Yes. It wasn't just the 90s, because we had Dracula 2000. That's right, and we had They and stuff like that, but yeah. (laughs) Dracula 2000, that thing was so... Which came out in, I think, 98 or 99, right? I don't know. Actually, I think it came out in 2000. But it did go up until about 2005, the Wes Craven Presents movies, where it was just basically a series of Dimension-produced movies where they would just pay Wes Craven to slap his name on it, and he otherwise had no involvement with them. Mm. There was a film called Mind Ripper, also known as The Outpost, which was originally written and was released in several foreign markets as Hills Have Eyes Part 3, where he was a little more heavily involved because it was written and produced by his son, Jonathan Craven. The plot is basically government guys come across a John Doe bleeding to death at the base of a cliff in the desert. They decide to use him as a guinea pig to test out a virus that will allow for rapid healing, and it ends up evolving him into a super monster being who needs to eat people's brains, and he's running around this underground complex in the desert chasing after Lance Henriksen and his family. And it's no, it's, you do. No, <laughs> yeah. stop. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I don't want to watch it. It's the funniest thing. Please continue. The reason why it was Hills Have Eyes Part Three is because the monster was supposed to be Pluto. Mm-hmm. Because in part two, he actually does get knocked off a cliff. But by the time it got to the mid 90s, Michael Berryman just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. He still pops up in some stuff, but he has aged and, you know, he does oh, still yeah. have a lot of physical ailments. He's actually a, he has a doctorate in theater and actually is a teacher of acting. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he's had a good career outside of looking weird in horror movies. And he's a really sweet guy. He's, he does a lot of interviews. He's really nice. But anyways, he couldn't do it. So they got instead like a six foot eight bleach blonde bodybuilder. As you do. <laughs> And he, the character literally is nicknamed Thor. It's a bad movie. It, it's exactly what you expect a direct-to-video mid-90s monster movie to be. It's a sci-fi movie, you know? And it has a few good moments here and there. And surprisingly, it's actually one of Lance Henriksen's best performances. He has a son played by Giovanni Ribisi in an early role. No. And the two of them actually play off each other really well. You know, Lance Henriksen phones it in in so many movies. It's always nice when you get to see one where he actually tries. Mm. So, but it's a movie you can skip. It's a movie everyone should skip. Even if you're a fan of Hills Have Eyes, skip it. it go ahead and skip it. Yeah, skip. 
It's fine, people. <laughs> Just go ahead and not see it, yeah. okay? It's really cheap. It's really kind of lousy. Oh, and I looked up Dracula 2000. It came out December 22nd of 2000. Okay. So they were just under the wire of it being 2000. Okay. Nice. That maybe it was hilarious. That, oh my God. It was so bad. It, it was, was so bad. I still need to see it. You know what, George? Have you first? ever seen it? No. Really? Go watch it. I will at some point. So anyways, I think that brings our Hills Have Eyes Part 1 episode to a close. Thank you for joining us, Dana. You're welcome. <laughs> Good early afternoon, Evie. <laughs> <laughs> To read show notes for this and every one of our episodes, please visit IHateLoveRemakes.blogspot.com. The comment sections are open, so let us know what you think about the films discussed. I Hate Love Remakes is in no way affiliated with the copyright holders of the films discussed. All rights are reserved and no infringement is intended. I Hate Love Remakes is a Made of Fail production. Madeoffail.net. We were unpopular before it was cool. Just a sec. I'm going to unplug my thing so I can still hear you guys. Okay. There we go. I don't know that we're going to be saying anything meaningful. Yeah, I didn't know that she had to unplug it because... I don't want to miss out on this conversation. Well, I'm actually going to go pee. (laughs) Hey, that's (laughs) the information. That's some great conversation there, Noel. I'm going to bring my mic in with me so you can all hear. I I would rather you did not, but okay. Probably should get it because occasionally I find shows on there and I'm like, damn it, why are you black? <laughs> Is it when you flip to a channel? It, okay. Oh, okay. Let I see what you mean. Say, when you flip to a channel you don't have through the cable provider <laughs> that we both have, the, the screen is black and it's a little okay. box pops up that goes, haha, you don't have this. Yeah. Suck on that, bitches. Okay. That's just, what she meant. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to just cut that out of there, though. Here I was thinking, like, why couldn't Samford at Sunstar Ernest Borgnine? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, okay. I'm sorry. No, no, I my dear friend David. Like, why no, couldn't honey. the Bill Cosby show star Billy Crystal? <laughs> I'm no, no, no. I say things and I don't understand. That was just an odd way to come out. Why do you have to be black? And I knew immediately what she meant, and I'm like, but then I also knew immediately what you thought she meant. And I was just like, I'm going to explain, because... He's like, I understand both sides. Well, clarification like, duty noted. I know exactly what he thinks she said. <laughs> well, I figured it didn't mean what I thought it meant, so that's why I was like, no, hey, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. Hang on. Okay, we should just have, like, I swear, we should just start doing subtitles, like Dana's subtitles, which actually means. It's not TV, sweetie, otherwise we would.